Welcome to Podcast Therapists. I'm Sarah. I'm Amanda. And I'm Caroline. We are all family therapists at different life stages, and we also happen to be good friends. We're so happy to have you join us for a little couch time today. Please like and rate us wherever you get your podcast, and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcast Therapists. Don't forget the S. We love hearing from you and want to invite you to share any questions or issues you'd like to hear us discuss. We might even do an episode on it because we bet you're not alone with it. Please email us directly at podcasttherapists at gmail.com. Thanks for coming to our session. Hi, Caroline and Amanda and I were talking. We decided this episode might need a little more of an introduction. Today, we're going to be talking about helping kids through grief during a time of COVID. This is a really tough topic for a lot of reasons. For one, the topic is hard. Two, this is a pandemic. And as we're trying to help you with this topic, we're also grappling with our own grief. And three, there's really no manual on grief during COVID. We are trying to figure it all out together as we're living it. So we're gonna muddle through this one. It's not as clean and concise as we would love this podcast to be, but that's because it's such a complicated issue. That being said, we do have some action steps for you and some take home suggestions. Some of our suggestions are these. Grief is complex and complicated. It is all very normal and it's a roller coaster ride. Look at different ways to make meaning as a family. Try to hold on to some of the rituals of grieving, even if they don't look normal right now. Try to find a way to be together with family and friends, even if you are apart. Have a small service or even moments to honor the person you love. Create tangibles for the kids, scrapbooks, photos, and other things to help anchor into the storytelling process. Talk with your kids about what you and your family think happens to people when they die. And grief will come up again in different stages. It may be that your child grieves now, and then once social distancing is over, they start grieving all over again. This is a lot, we know. So pull up the couch and take a listen. We hope you find it helpful. Thanks. Welcome to Podcast Therapists. Hi, Sarah. Hi, you guys. Hi. Hi, Caroline. Hey. Happy to see you guys. Happy to see you, too. Hey, I think we're going to tackle kind of a big topic today. I think we need to. Yeah. Caroline, you want to kick us off? Oh, sure. Um, so today we're going to talk about grief and, well, grief for kids, right? And like, how do you talk to kids about grief? Um in general, but then also like how has COVID made this a particularly difficult time for children experiencing grief and loss and what that might look like? I think across the country, it is devastating. The numbers are getting higher every day and it's touching more and more parents, more and more kids, more and more just people across the board and we just want to give you all tools to talk to your kids about it because we know it's touching you 
and it's going to touch them too. Yeah. And I think, um, not to have this be like a total downer podcast, but I think, um, we recognize that this is something happening for everyone and, um, it can feel very traumatic to go through grief and loss and, it can be triggering in lots of different ways for the adult in the situation. So we're really going to focus on the kid part to try to help all the adults out there that are trying to navigate this not only for themselves, but also with their children mm-hmm. um, or with friends, children. Um, but we um, we're here for you and, and know that this is also a trigger warning for you. If this is not a podcast that you're comfortable with or need to listen to in parts, we certainly encourage that. Mm-hmm. So I think the first piece is, is that every kid who has lost someone is going to deal with it really differently. So Mm -hmm. some are, that depends on the age. It depends on the temperament of the kid. It depends on how close the person was. It depends on so many different things. And no matter how your kid grieves, it's all okay. It's such a tough experience and a tough thing to even understand for certain ages that no matter what they're showing you, it's it's probably normal on some level. So sadness, anger, anxiety, just not even processing it. They're all within the realm of what could be expected. And I think you cycle through feelings over and over and over again with grief, right? I think that's part of what's hard. It's like your kid might be sad and then okay and angry and then okay and then in denial. And then it's like a loop that Mm -hmm. may play over like initially, and then I think as you grow up. Mm -hmm. Right. So grief is a funny thing and developmental stages kind of interact with grief in a unique way in that when we experience grief as adults, we're fully formed humans and we kind of have that same cyclical experience. But with kids, they cycle through because they're a lot of times they're processing it and they may process it and dump it and be finished and never think about it again or talk to you about it again. Some kids may, you may see things Um, where they seem like they're fine and then they have a total meltdown at dinner about eating their broccoli. And that truthfully could be, obviously it's some people's every day, but it could be an expression of grief depending on what's happening. Just that threshold could be much lower for frustration. Um, But kids also, if they experience grief at different stages, will sometimes kind of punch back through it later again as their brain develops further because they have the ability to feel it differently and to think about it differently. And all those things are hard and complicated for parents to watch. We understand. So an example of that, I'm just throwing it out there. So uh, an example of that would be if you are a kid who has lost their father and that happened when you were five, you probably dealt with it when you were five in in a way a five-year-old does. But then when you're 12 and you watch the movie Father of the Bride, I have no idea, I'm just making this Mm -hmm. up, Mm -hmm. then that would trigger it in a different way because you understand the relationship between a father and a daughter in a different way than you did when you were five. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And And then like those big moments, like high school graduation might feel really hard. And then going to, to me, one that triggered me was kind of going to weddings and seeing father-daughter dances. That just triggered me Mm -hmm. completely all the time. So... It hits at different stages. Like I had processed my relationship with my father much earlier, probably when I was 8, 12, 15 Mm -hmm. in that way. And then as a 28-year-old, it came up all the time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think all those things are okay and totally normal. And I think we don't talk about grief a lot because... For one, when someone's grieving, that's not they don't want to talk about the concept of grief, but also um, it's not a fun topic. I, I have to say most people, um, adults and teens, will come into my 
um, office and sit down on the couch and kind of say, how long am I going to feel like this? Mm-hmm. You know, they want to know the time ending point for grief. I, what do you say to that, Sarah? Um, I usually say grief doesn't really work that way. That mm-hmm. um, grief is something that um, will always be there, but will be a smaller, smaller part or hole in your heart as you move forward. Um, but the grief often piggybacks on grief and loss. So if you have a big experience with loss at some point in your life, and then five years later, again, there's a loss, that old loss sometimes will come forward. Mm-hmm. And it's like being punched in the bruise a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not, it's not a, um, it's not a task. It's a process. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And you're never done. You're never done. No. Unfortunately. It's something you walk alongside your yes. whole life. You carry it. Mm-hmm. When I think, um, not to like make this too complicated, but like you can also grieve things that are not just deaths. And so I feel like if we're talking about like, how do you talk to your kids about grief and loss? Like kids have experienced a lot of different kinds of grief right now, right? Like some kids have experienced direct like death of a family member, um, like someone close to them, but it's also like loss of normalcy, loss of routine, loss of seeing friends, right? Like those might not be as you can't name them as much. And and there's no, there's no process that we already have kind of that there's been research on. No one has researched what happens when the world shuts down and kids who had thought about going to prom, going to getting their new car and driving around with their friends, graduating from college, going to college. There's so much loss in that. And no one has named that yet. So we're talking about grief of people mostly during this. And there's a whole separate part of grief that kids are experiencing and we're just figuring it out as we go right now. Well, mm-hmm. I think the the loss of people on top of the tone of loss, just general loss is what's kind of exacerbating or escalating a lot of those feelings. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I know we just lost, I lost my cousin to COVID recently. And so um, that impacted my whole family, but we were all grieving in bubbles. And that's not a Zoom call you get on and share. It's it's a lot of phone calls. It's a lot of texting. It's a lot of reaching out. It's a lot of just trying to connect on that grief plane, basically. Um, and it's different. It's really different, you guys, to grieve like this and to not be able to. I didn't think about how bad I would feel about not getting to show up for them in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. But it is how we have to walk through this. And so... Talking about that with our kids is important. Naming this for our kids is important because I think as adults, we're experiencing grief. And so if we don't call it what it is, they're not going to know why we're upset and they're going to start to wonder and fill in blanks. Um, smart kids do this. If, if we don't talk to kids directly and share the truth with them, they will make up mm-hmm. what they think is happening and fill it in. And that will become their truth. And that can be a little dangerous based on my kids' imagination. I don't know about your kids, but... Um, so when, for example, for in our home, when there was, uh, you know, we lost somebody. So I did sit down right away and, and talk to my daughter about that. And granted, she's a teenager and she is, is able to process that at her level. But even if she were younger, if she were your kid's age, I mean, I would have sat down and talked to them about mm-hmm. that and been honest about what happened. Not all the details, but what they could age appropriately handle, mm-hmm. for example. And I think like with, especially with younger kids, like the language you use is really important because I think loss and death are very confusing to young kids. And so I think 
I think we try to sugarcoat things as adults, right? Saying, you know, your dog died or someone in the family died feels harsh Mm -hmm. or it feels like too much, right? Like, oh, so I want to make it sound easier. And so we'll say like, oh, they went to sleep and they're not going to wake up again. Or there's a farm with a lot of animals that live on it. You know, that's like, mm-hmm. was the old thing. Uh-huh. Parents would say, your dog went to live on a farm. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> but I think, I mean, I think this, you know, and I think we, we say like in day-to-day language, like we're putting the dog to sleep. Like that's how we talk about it as adults. But um, I think that can create a ton of anxiety for younger kids because sleeping is something they do every day. And so you have to be really direct in how you talk about these things with kids that are really concrete thinkers. That happened in our family. Like we talked about putting a dog to sleep and then in within probably, you know, the same day, I think I turned to my very young daughter at the time and was talking about putting her to sleep for a nap or something. And mm-hmm. the look on her face all of a sudden, it made me realize that we had used that same language with the dog we had just put to sleep. And so I, we had to backtrack a little yeah and I'm a therapist and knew better by the way just want to put that out there but it was interesting like I actually saw it happen her eyes got Mm -hmm. really big and I mean we probably use that language all the time but she actually witnessed the dog being put to sleep Mm because and so she was like wait what let's back this up so yeah you have to be careful and so I think that means saying like hey the dog died (laughs) right like his body stopped working and his heart wasn't beating anymore. Mm-hmm. So he can't, you know, he can't be alive with us anymore. Mm-hmm. And that might feel dark and hard, but I think that language is really important. And I think be aware, like your kids will will cope with these things in different ways. My daughter, for example, when we did put our dog to sleep, who was beloved, she really wanted to um, stuff him and have him in her bedroom. And we had to really talk her out of that. Um, I, I believe one of the ways, and we might need to cut this, was that my partner said, well, we didn't do that with your grandma. So we're not going to do it with the dog. Right? So that, she didn't say it quite as harshly, but she basically equated the two and talked my daughter back down. But um but I think that's so meaningful, right? Like she's trying to hold on to something. Yeah. She's trying to find a way to not have the dog disappear. Yes. And I think that's when you have to talk to kids about like, how do you hold on? Yes. To like someone or an animal that dies. Yeah. My daughter wore a dog collar to school, to elementary school for the next, I'd say probably month, month and a half as part of her accessorizing mm-hmm. her outfits in the morning, the dog collar went on her neck. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just, it was her way. It was her way of grieving. It was her way of letting go. It didn't always match the outfit, but it looked really cute in some ways. I mean. So here's my worry about this, y'all. And this is one of these things that keeps me up at night is that I do think that there's a process of grieving. Mm-hmm. I do think there's a process that society has put in place for us to help us know what to expect. And a large portion of that is you know, when someone dies, you usually go to their house, you bring food, you are with the family, there's a gathering, there's memories, people share memories, it can be a dark time, or it can be a light time where you're sharing memories, and you feel the spirit. And from the beginning, sometimes kids can feel the spirit of a person there, and you can talk about it. And then you go to a funeral. And it's usually the funeral that marks kind of 
that immediate grief, because it's not the full grief, but that immediate time is over. And that whole process is disrupted right now. Mm -hmm. And, and I, we don't have a way to teach families how to do it during COVID. I think the storytelling is so important, like you said, and different, you know, religions do different things, obviously, but almost all that I'm aware of do tell stories about mm-hmm. the person who passed away and or even how they're connected to other ancestors or whatever. And even in um, different services, you know, people stand up and tell stories about the person in the service. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, I think that's a huge part of what's missing. And that's a, a terrific way, just even as a, in your own family, to tell stories, that uh, fond stories of, of the person that isn't mm-hmm. there anymore. So I think that if you are struggling with that grief in your immediate family, one thing to really do is mimic what would be happening pre-COVID. And that is going to be very, very difficult because you are so, so sad. But there is something, it is, it's ancestral. This is the way people have grieved for thousands of years and it's built into our DNA. And so try to mimic some of that if you can. If it takes, I don't know, Sarah, you're right. It's not something you get on a Zoom call about. Mm -mm. No, I mean, I think we, you know, I, I was kind of grieving with, you know, we reached out to our other cousins and of course my siblings reached out to each other and we all talked and told stories just by text. Um, and then I relayed those, what I did was read these texts to, to my family That's here a great idea. and we talked and I mm-hmm. talked a lot about him and I told stories from my childhood about him. Um, and so I guess I did it without really planning to do it or thinking about doing mm-hmm. it, but I kind of made everybody stop what they're doing. I was like, Oh, let me read you this or let me tell you this or and, and they were great. I mean, my partner and, and my daughter were like, oh, yeah, you know, and we don't live near each other. So they don't have as many memories of time together, but they certainly know of him and have met him and, you know, had knew my stories. And so that part was fun and that made me feel so much better. But it also felt like they were grieving with me in that moment. And I needed that. And my um, and then just part of what we'll do, too, and what we have done with other family that has passed away in this last year is we have um, sat down together as a family and planned sending food to the family, but we did it as like we decided as a family what we would send and when mm-hmm. we would send it. Um, and we did it. We're doing it by internet, obviously, but um, which is the it, we, we would usually be cooking and taking the meal. So mm-hmm. it's it's the same kind of tradition, I guess we would hold mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And I think those rituals, because those are the rituals of the beginning parts of grief, that will will help our kids learn how to manage grief in their future. Absolutely. One of the things I get I get worked up about it is teaching kids how to grieve because we don't know. So I always I think having a family pet is a great way to practice grieving and unfortunately we're in this situation where kids are being forced to learn how to grieve with people who are much closer to them at an earlier age than just globally, mm-hmm. we would have hoped. This isn't, of course, just like hard things happen, but globally, more kids are struggling with closer grief right now. And we need to teach them that process on some level so that they can use it for the rest of their life. I think also, you know, grief is this weird thing. No one is born with coping mechanisms around grief. Grief coping mechanisms are acquired through our lives. So unless you have lost people in your life, you don't really know how to grieve or how you, you, you know, you start to learn that and they build. And so that's what we're doing in a very mindful way, mm-hmm. or that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. 
having you all do in a mindful way with your children. And what we've probably done with our own kids and our own families is you, you were essentially coaching them, giving them skills for the rest of their lives because grief is a part of all of our lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that one of the things I feel like that COVID has done for a lot of our kids too, is created anxiety around um, loss. And I think in sense, because it is a disease and it is also contagious. So I think it's a new concept. I mean, a lot of times when we would talk about someone passing away from something, it was something that our kids weren't necessarily going to catch um, from being out with friends. Mm -hmm. So I think there's this added component of having to really um, hear and feel what they're and observe how they're feeling and and listen to what they're saying when we when we do share this with them because it can create some anxiety also. I mean, death and loss can create anxiety for kids, but I think COVID has created a whole new layer of that mm-hmm. for our kids mm-hmm. around that. And I feel like you know usually when we're going through some collective loss, like I think of natural disasters, um, mm-hmm. like a tornado. Um, or a hurricane, right? It's like something awful happens to a community and then the community is able to like come together and you see people cleaning up together and rebuilding together. And there's like this process that people do all together. And I think Mm -hmm. what's so hard about COVID is like the process is staying apart. Mm -hmm. And that just like doesn't feel natural in terms of how we typically grieve these things Mm -hmm. and so I think trying to acknowledge that for yourself and for your kids right that like hey there's this added layer on top of normal grief that makes this hard Mm -hmm. um so what are what are you all or what have you shared with either you know young clients or families or your own family what have you all suggested as far as when you say create things, what have you, um, obviously the storytelling is important, but have you done any tangible, have you guys ever tried those, any things with, with families you've worked with? So I, I do think it can be really helpful to have something tangible because I think there, especially for kids, there's this fear of like, this person is gone and what does that mean and so something like home videos or a scrapbook right something where you can see the person and it might be you know photos of your child with their grandparent or photos of that grandparent when they were really young and talking about like oh it's so cool that granny did xyz thing um because it like can lead into more storytelling. Mm-hmm. And then I think what's really cool is like when kids have photos, like they know how to share, like they have something to anchor their storytelling in. So like, oh, this is a picture of me and granny when we went to, you know, the county fair together and we ate tons of funnel cake, right? Like that's an anchor. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think um, I know that in experiencing this with my own kid, but also with other kids I've worked with, um, the kids have sometimes even said to me, is it weird that I want to still talk to that person? And I'm like, no, put that Mm -hmm. out in the universe, like find somewhere quiet and have that conversation out loud with whoever you just lost. That's really okay. And, um, 
you know, or I've encouraged, I know some kids who wanted to write letters still Mm -hmm. to that person. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so as parents, anything like that, that just helps our kids process through, um, and, and their way, as long as it's not, it feels safe and isn't going to hurt them in any way. I think that's really normal. And, and a lot of times our kids are super creative and find fantastic ways to process through their, their grief and loss. One thing I did when I, when I was 24, I lost essentially like my second mom and I sat, I set aside time every day to talk to her Mm -hmm. and I didn't, and I didn't realize that I had done it, but I ended up realizing, wow, every day on my ride home from work, I talked to her and that's when I have that time every day. And it was so grounding for me because I knew it was going to be in my schedule. So Mm -hmm. if it was early in the morning and I was like, oh, I really want to sit and think about her, but I couldn't. I would put it, I knew that I had that space in my day and that that was helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And I think kids can do that. I think you can say to kids, like, we're going to tell so many stories mm-hmm. at four o'clock at night if it seems like it's kind of all the time going in, going in that direction. I think one of the reasons too, we think it's so important to validate um, and give kids permission is because kids a lot of times are going to gauge their reaction off you. Right. Mm-hmm. So if they see like if you lose a parent, for example, that is devastating at any age and your kid is going to possibly shift gears away from trying to grieve or their own loss of that grandparent to trying to cheer you up or try to be a really well behaved kid or whatever to, to lessen your stress. And I think um, when we talk about it openly as families and we we talk about grief and say, you know, I'm going to be grieving as an adult. You're going to be grieving. It's really okay to grieve however you want to. It's okay for mommy to be sad about this or daddy to be sad about this right now. It means that they really, you know, it just means mommy and daddy really love that person. Um, and and then it makes it okay. It makes it safe because it can be scary for little kids or even older kids to see their parents cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just normalizing all of the feelings, normalizing all the responses for everybody is important and um, and helpful, I think, in a healthy way. I also think normalizing, like, feeling okay, right? Like, yeah. if you experience a loss or you're grieving, you might have moments where the world feels okay, whether you're an adult or a kid. Um, like, kids might play again or they might run around. Like, that's normal. And so kids feel their feelings and then they might go play. That also, like is a way of managing feelings and processing feelings. So if it feels like it's sort of this ride through my kid is super upset and then they seem okay and then they seem upset and then they seem okay, that's normal. Um, I think that's normal for us mm-hmm. too, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have those moments where it's overwhelming and it's awful and then something silly happens in your family and you guys all start laughing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's normal and that's okay. And I think that remembering that the structure and the routine is grounding for kids. So once you get through kind of the initial stage of shock, I think getting your kids back into their routine Mm -hmm. is going to give them a sense of control over what's happening. Losing someone makes people feel totally out of control because ultimately we are. Um, And so, but getting kids breakfast is still around the same time. You still do this after breakfast. That will give them a sense of control in order to help them keep their emotional regulation more in track. And safety, create safety for them. Absolutely. Yes. So how do we deal with though, I really believe that 
part of grief is connecting with people around you that loved that person. Because I also think that that really helps with the idea of, for me, I believe that the, the spirits of people who have died are still with us and they're here when we talk about that person. That's just my own personal thought. And so when we're not connecting with other people, how do we help kids with that? With the, the I think being able to um, do something with the grief, I think finding purpose with grief is really important a lot of times. So I think um, like talking to to whoever or whatever, you know, encouraging them to have a conversation, encourage them to still write or draw or whatever. I mean, oftentimes, um, even when kids lose a pet, they want a process. We had a very um, elaborate funeral for a goldfish. And, um, and that process seemed to really help mm-hmm. with that loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then we had drawings, we all had we all had to speak, but we also had, this is really elaborate, you guys. My grandmother had just passed away, so we had gone through a memorial service. So when the goldfish died, we went through the same kind of memorial service for um, uh, Sparkle Diamond, um, you know, the beautiful goldfish. So mm-hmm. it was elaborate, but it helped my daughter grieve that because it was two losses in a row. Mm-hmm. And really, part of the loss was probably for my grandmother, truthfully. And, and so... Um, but we did a lot of artwork. We did a lot of reading. We did a lot of written things and they all were saved in a box, for example, all the things that were created were saved in a box. So when she felt grief come up again, she would open the box and look at all the nice things we said about the goldfish and look at all the pictures we drew for the goldfish. Mm. That's really beautiful. It was a long process. Most people just flush the goldfish. But, you know, yeah, but I also feel like it created like (laughs) consistency for her. It right. did. It created mm. this idea of like, this is what happens when someone dies or when a pet dies. And mm. I think that's what's so hard right now is like there is an inherent interruption mm-hmm. in the process. And so it's just hard. Like none of us know exactly like how to grieve under these circumstances. Mm-hmm. I think too, you know, people have different things they talk about. They talk, some people, some families will talk about heaven. Some t- families will talk about earth bodies versus universe bodies or soul bodies. And um, some families talk about the soul. And so like a soul lingering or spirit, mm-hmm. like you said, I think all families have to be comfortable with whatever they believe or whatever they want to share mm-hmm. with their kids. Um, I think it's important. We always, um, and maybe because we weren't, you know, anchored to anything specific, but, um, heaven is a really easy go-to. And I think even when people don't necessarily believe in heaven, they go that direction because it's just so easy and acceptable. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to kind of be okay with your kid even coming up with some ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and little things, for example, when we lost, um, lost when my mother-in-law died, let me use the correct language as well. Um, we, uh, bought a fruit tree and planted it in our front yard. And it actually just happens to be under my daughter's window, but that is her connection. Like, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. She watches that tree. She's very connected to my mother-in-law. She comments on that tree all the time. And I think it's just a connection she has to the Mm -hmm. tree because it was, it was, you know, Mm -hmm. essentially in, you know, memory of my Mm mother-in-law. And so she, you know, talks about when it has apples and she'll talk about how tall it's getting. It's just, it's like another level of connection. Mm -hmm. And so I think those things like finding purpose with grief is, is the next step as you come out of grief or as you are moving through grief. Um, 
I think that that is really helpful, Sarah, because I'm imagining families who are grieving alone and you want to tell stories, you want to be with people. Being with people is such a healthy thing when you're feeling so sad and we can't. So we having physical things to do that you can put that energy into. I think that's absolutely, I think that's a genius idea. The boxes, those are great. Mm -hmm. Picture albums, planting Mm -hmm. a tree, singing songs, maybe singing, Mm -hmm. singing that person's favorite song, telling stories. Absolutely. Those are all great things for kids to do. Yeah. And I think if, I think the other thing is for a parent to realize they don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why we're here kind of telling some of them to make it a little easier for you all. I also think sometimes grief is so overwhelming that I wonder if knowing that your family will be able to get together at some point down the road is also like it's not now and that's so 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 painful but I also think knowing that like it can happen at some point Um, keeping that in our hearts and holding that and knowing like I had a friend who experienced like a really traumatic loss and I don't think she was able to even really process it until six months or a year later Mm -hmm. um And so there's part of me that wonders like, hey, it may be helpful if it's really hard to have this down the road and to know that you are going to get together at some point. I think with COVID in particular, more and more families are having to do a preliminary kind of burial Mm -hmm. or something. And then a lot of people are kind of saying, we'll get together this summer. We'll get together when we can. Um, and to have a memorial service or, or a memorial of some sort of that person. I think that's really helpful for a lot of people, like you're saying, that's smart. I also think that it would be smart to have a kind of a much smaller funeral in in your home, if that's where you are for mm-hmm. kids, because I do think there's a time marker and I think there's a process in there that's really important for kids. And so even if it's just the people who live in your house saying, this is our funeral where it's going to be 30 minutes. We're going to tell our favorite story. We're going to sing our favorite song. And you're really going to honor that person in that moment, because I think it's hard to know when quote unquote real life starts again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a really good point. I love that. I'm actually thinking how to do that right now. Now that you're saying that I yeah. would like that. Yeah. Because, because that's our process. Mm-hmm. And, and, we we have to do it in order to know when the next part starts. It's the mm-hmm. ritual and the routine. And all of the people who are struggling with COVID-related deaths don't have that to hold on to. And it's completely unanchoring for folks. Mm-hmm. And I Absolutely. wonder if even saying like, hey, you know, I know we're all spread out. Can we all find a time, right, where you're going to do this with your family and I'm going to do it with mine and they're going to do it with their family. So knowing that like we're we're doing it separately, but we're doing it together. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If no, I think that's beautiful, Caroline. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could even send things to people. So maybe that's part of it is you, this made me cry, but you write up something during yours or you record it and you send it to mm-hmm. other, other mm-hmm. families so they mm-hmm. can watch it when they want to. And maybe there's some like still collective action. Like I'm thinking of like winter and cold and I, to me, like fires are very sacred. Yes. Um, like it's just a very... I don't know. There's something about like an outdoor 
fire that like makes me feel very connected to like nature and the earth. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a way to just say like, this is a moment that I'm taking. Smart. Well, I like the idea of having kind of an ending because you do when you when you walk through loss and kids too. You know when they 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 know that there's um, a, a a protocol, right? There's this process, and when someone does die right now, especially because we're not gathering, there is no end, right? And mm-hmm. I like the ending point. I think that again creates safety for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if it, you know again. If as a parent, if you either have your own history of loss, and so this makes this complicated, or you just want, you know, you're you're feeling like you you want to make sure you get this right in some way or whatever, don't hesitate to reach out to a therapist for a consult. I mean, we take these phone calls all the time mm-hmm. and just talk on the phone to someone about, yeah, that's great, or you know, no, how about this? Or even, um, you know, if you have a pastor, a priest, a rabbi, you know, a minister, who, whomever leads your mm-hmm. um, your, your, you know, religious, um, group, mm-hmm. uh, you know, reach out to those folks as well. Um, just I also, for the support. I also think in a weird way you can send a friend this podcast and they can help you through it mm-hmm. because I think we actually came up with ideas. I didn't, this isn't where we necessarily intended to go, no. but I think we came up <laughs> with some ideas that might be helpful, but it, it's probably too hard to hold it on your own with your grief. So send it to a friend and they can help your family walk through it because that's what also is missing is other people, those pastors and priests and other people to hold us through this, the people bringing the food to our house. They're not mm-hmm. ushering through us through grief in the same way. And so we need to ask our trusted loved ones specifically for what we need or you should step in mm-hmm. if you have heard this and you know someone who's struggling with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's um, it's not a time to be on your own. No, with this stuff, it's tough. But no. I think these are really yeah. I think there's these are good, definitely some really good, valuable therapeutic things for kids. Um, and if you need more or want more, certainly reach out um, and and don't be afraid to ask. But I think it is a time where we really need to be there for each other. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Please remember. We are real-life therapists, however, this is a podcast and is not considered a therapy session. Not only because there's no copay, but also because we can't speak to your individual experiences. We're here to help you keep raising healthy kids. And remember, if you're an imperfect parent, we're right there with you. If you or someone you love is in immediate danger, please call your local crisis hotline or go to your nearest emergency room.